Welcome to the Way of the Weaver podcast, where we explore magic, justice, and community. Thanks for showing up to our queer-centric, radically enchanted conversations. Our world needs your magic. I'm Jamie Wagner. My pronouns are she and her, and I'm coming to you from Muskogee land in so-called Alabama. I'm Murphy Robinson. My pronouns are they or he, and I'm coming to you from Indakana, the land of the Abenaki people, also known as Vermont. Welcome to our two-part episode on ethical manifesting. Uh, In this part one today, we'll be debunking the law of attraction, and we'll get into some basic best practices when it comes to manifestation magic. So to start us off, Murphy, can you tell me about a time that you magically manifested something? Yeah, you know, I, I feel like I do a lot of casual manifestation where I don't actually do a formal spell or ritual to call something in. There's a lot of like thrift store magic or free pile magic that happens in my life. Um, But one time when I did actually have a big need and did a whole ritual around it um, was when I had just gotten back from a lot of time off for a wilderness trip and uh, took my car in to get inspected. And it, I was informed it would never pass inspection again because it had deadly rust (laughs) on the bottom and a spot that couldn't be repaired. Um, And I had not been planning to buy a new car that soon. It was, I hadn't, have been with that one for all that long um but a new used car i mean something within my budget and uh, but i did have some savings that i could scrape together and divert from other purposes and so i had a very set budget of like i needed to find a car that cost eight thousand dollars this was back before the pandemic when you could actually get a car that worked for for that much or less um (laughs) and um i was like looking around on craigslist and not finding good stuff and so i did this whole um ritual and sort of petition for aid uh, manifestation spell, um, specifically asking the deity Hades to help me out. Hades is a a god of wealth um, because he rules all that which is under the earth. So the precious metals and the gems and things like that. Uh, So he's a good one to talk to when you're having uh, a wealth need. Uh, such as needing a car. <laughs> and um, so I, I, I know, really reached out to him and was like, you know, I, I need this car to like do my work in the world and um, to take care of myself. And will you please help me find a car that like works really well, that's, you know, going to have four wheel drive, can make it up my mountain dirt road, um, and that is within this budget. <clears throat> And then uh, the next day I went to this like CarMax used car lot in Burlington and um, I went in and talked to the car salesman and he was like, oh man, like you want an all wheel drive car for $8,000? I don't know. That's going to be really hard. I don't have like cars that cheap on my lot really, but I'll go talk to the supervisor. Um, So I went and talked to the supervisor and he's like, we got just the thing for you. You wait here on the curb. We're going to bring it around. You're really going to like it. (laughs) Um, And then he drives or some, some, one of the guys drives it around and it's this like, sparkling black jeep this like you know like a very Mm -hmm. and i just like it it was a very sexy car and because i buy these like cheap (laughs) used cars i'm they're never sexy cars they're always just these dumb old cars um but this one was just like sparkling and it had that sort of like masculine jeep like uh, charisma to it and just as soon as it pulled up i was like this is a Hades car. Like this is de- this is definitely a car sent by Hades. He's I love really it. Into like high high fashion, you know, high impact yeah, yeah, aesthetics. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I was pretty sure that was a Hades car. And um, 
you know, I ended up I ended up getting that one. It was the only one I found within my price range that met my needs, and I named it Cerberus, uh, in honor cool. of Hades, because Cerberus is the three headed dog that guards his realm. Um, and it it served me well all through the pandemic, and it very soon after that, I think that was like fall of 2019. So soon after that, all the cars became twice as expensive. So it was also like uh, fortuitous timing, even though it seemed like a misfortune at the time. Wow. That's cool. I love that story. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Jamie? Tell us about something you manifested. You you do a lot of good manifestation magic. Uh yeah. So um I'm gonna go I'm gonna get in the Wayback Machine and go back to uh 2001 when um I had just moved to Atlanta, Georgia, and I was having a really hard time. I was a young person and didn't have a lot of, I mean, I had obviously been working. I've been working since I was 16, but I was, you know, in my early twenties and didn't have a lot of um, things on my resume yet. And I was having a really hard time finding a job in Atlanta in particular, because, um, you know, if, if you know anything about 2001, that was right when 9-11 happened. So it was like end of September, early October, when I was running out of savings and really needed to pay my rent. <laughs> and um, it was incredibly difficult just because of the societal upheaval that was going on as a result of 9-11. And, um, you know, I had taken on some part-time jobs and things like that, but they were, I, you know, I really needed like a steady sort of, you know, salaried, like, you know, um, a little bit more steady possibility. Uh, my, my partner was in graduate school and I was the main source of income. So this was, you know, getting to be a critical situation for the two of us. And so I decided to, um, hopefully manifest a job with some magic. And, you know, back in those days, I was primarily working as a copywriter and a graphic designer and a website designer. So I put together some tools of my trade. I put together like some drafting paper and I think I did like a T-square and like an X-Acto knife and a pencil and an eraser and like all the things that I would normally use to like do, um, you know, what, you know, what it takes to like, sort of like mock up things when you're a designer. And uh, I put in like some money and I like wrote like what I wanted to manifest on like a dollar bill, because I literally think that's all I could spare of this spell. And, you know, uh, tied everything up with like some not magic. I mean, I just I, I you know, that was very early in my my pagan magical um, <laughs> explorations. So I used like every technique that I possibly could think of uh, for this spell. And I think honestly, more so because I mean, obviously I put all those objects together. It's like an example of sympathetic magic, like, right, you're trying to like use things that are representative of what you want to draw near. And um, I think more so than that, I spent a, a very long time in the circle that I cast to do that magic, just holding on to that little packet of things that I put together. And, oh, I just poured like so much energy into that. I just poured all the energy I possibly could and sent it out there to the universe. And it was great. Um, I, you know, the the next week, because I kind of believe in um also, you know, doing things in the uh, doing things in the extraordinary world with magic and then doing things in the ordinary world too to help you uh, get where get where you want to be. And so I went to a talent agency um, the next day and within a month, the talent agency had placed me in a design job, which I ended up having for a number of years. I think I had that job for six years. So uh -huh. um yeah, so it was great. So <laughs> I was able to uh, buy some groceries and pay my rent. <laughs> and it was fantastic. 
That's a great story. That, that that those are both like kind of like high stakes life needs, you know, a car to get around, a job to pay your rent. Um, so sounds like you and I have both used this used this tool of manifestation for like, you know, some really important things uh and, and had yeah. it work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I feel like you, I do some, you know, sort of everyday sort of manifestation stuff. Um, you and I have talked before about how much we love free piles and thrift stores and places like that. And, you know, so I've, you know, manifested things I need or uh, manifested phone calls that I needed to come in or things like that. But yeah, I think it can work on many levels, like anything from, to, to use your words, like small stakes to high stakes, <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, I think... I think the world of manifestation magic is a really interesting one because it's very potent and very powerful and in some ways can be like the most powerful for those who have the highest need. Um, but there's also a lot of culture around it in like the modern new agey world um, yes. and even beyond the new agey world in the like business world and things like that, that um, is ethically murky um and i know that i've i've um you know both explored a little bit myself and and mostly been like adjacent to people that were really into um books like napoleon hills think and grow rich um which is a mm -hmm. self-help book that has been around since like i think the 30s or something like that it's a very very impactful book that yeah. a lot of a lot of people like in the tradition of like tony robbins and like money mindset gurus and things like that um Maybe we won't use the word guru. That's a specific cultural thing. But money mindset uh, teachers and um, sort of pyramid scheme people. Um, yeah. And then yeah. There, we'll we'll draw from that. And then there's like the, the secret was a really big one that that came oh, out yeah. around the turn of the millennium mm -hmm. sometime. And there's a film on the book of the same name. And a lot of these function around something called the law of attraction, which uh, we like to debunk or to to debunk because we uh, really like to have clarity on like where our magical principles come from and uh yeah what's what's kind of made up and not that you can't make up a new form of magic but what's made up in a way that is not helpful and and what are like proven things that really work so uh jamie you have a really great uh, debunking of the law of attraction. I'd love to hear you explain <laughs> that to us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I like to say that we're going to hop on board the train and we're going to visit the disambiguation station <laughs> to sort of um, suss out where all this stuff comes comes from. So um, Napoleon Hill, uh, who's the Think and Go Rich author and Rhonda Byrne, The Secret, especially The Secret, which is, I'm more familiar with that. Um, are based on something called the Kabbalion, which is a book that was published a while ago, and the seven hermetic principles. Now, I won't get into hermeticism today because that's like, it's an esoteric philosophy. It's a combination of a lot of things, a lot of idea exchanges that were happening at the world, um, in the world, uh, in the ancient world. And some, you know, a, a basic set of philosophy came out of it, but that's too long for today. So we're just not going to, we're not going to go down that uh, rabbit hole. But the Kabbalion itself uh, incorporates seven of these philosophical hermetic principles, but it's not based on anything ancient. <laughs> so the Kabbalion was published in 1908 by something called the Yogi Publication Society in Chicago, Illinois, in the United States <laughs> by, um, it was under the author, and I put this in air quotes here, the three initiates, but it's actually a man named William Walker Atkinson. 
So part of this book that Atkinson put out there are the seven hermetic principles. And these principles get bandied about all over the internet, especially as ancient teachings. And these principles, you know, they're per they're parallel with a lot of the hermetic philosophical teachings. But really what Atkinson put in there is more representative of what's called the new thought movement. Um, in the early days, the new thought movement was known as Christian science. It later became known as Scientology. <laughs> and Rhonda Byrne, uh, again, in air quotes, revealed it as the secret. Um, so, you know, that's a lot of where this stuff comes from. People are just kind of co-opting it and rehashing it over and over again. And the hermetic axiom as above, so below, as below, so above, which you, if you run in magical circles or witchy circles, you may have heard this. Um, it's, you know, sometimes this, this axiom gets repeated simply, it gets simplified and repeated into the phrase, like attracts like. In the Kabbalion, Atkinson referred to this as the principle of correspondence. And this comes from Hermetic philosophy, it's usually dated from like, I don't know, the 6th to the 8th century common era. It's a, it's a concept that comes from Plato. Like we can trace it all the way back to Plato and Plato's theories on how the macrocosm and the microcosm work, right? So the... Um, but the it doesn't necessarily like like attracts like is is too much it's an oversimplification and it's it can be very problematic especially in the hands of some of these um these folks that are out there uh pushing a manifestation a manifestation mindset without any sort of uh, attention to how this really and truly affects people in their real lives and all of the factors that intersect in the lives of people and the factors that come into play when you talk about things about uh, like prosperity and manifestation and, and words like that. So if you're really curious about the Kabbalion or these seven principles, this has been in public domain since 1977 and it's really easy to find and you can go read it if you want. It's very dry. It's, <laughs> but feel free if you want the background on it. We'll put a link in the show notes. But I'm going to turn it over to Murphy because I'd like to get into this discussion a little bit more about the inherent privilege in this type of thinking. So, Murphy, can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, the thing that bothers me about things like the secret or these sort of like abundance mindset teachings that a lot of people uh, put forth, uh, and usually for money. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is, you know, that's, that's almost always a part of it. Mm. Um, the thing that bothers me about it is that it doesn't really acknowledge uh, either impact or privilege. So there's a lot of like, socioeconomic factors and identity related struggles that are inherently impacting the practice of manifesting um and there's it's presented as a like oh well because this is magic we can just like leapfrog over all of that and it doesn't matter uh -huh. um yeah but the, but the truth is that like uh practicing you know ab abundance practices such as described in the secret is going to play out really differently for someone with rich parents and a trust fund than it is for someone who's like struggling on food stamps with you know single parenting or something like that of course um, yeah it's it's just like that your starting place is very different your connections are very different the whole just like you know hold it in your mind and focus on it thing that it, it's it's complicated to talk about because they are 
there are helpful teachings in there, but they're like not framed in a way that is compassionate for all the different places where people start from. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you're struggling to, if you're struggling just to, to eat, struggle and, and working hard, working more than one job, I mean, it doesn't really feel realistic or even something you have time for to, to spend time sitting and envisioning your dream life. Right. Yeah, there's a there's a writer um, who posted an article on medium.com, uh, Alicia Starr. Um, and I'm just going to read a little quote from, from her article because I thought okay. it summed this up really well. Um, she says, the steps that are required for manifesting are steps that are more intuitive to the privileged populace. Tips like expect things to come easily to you and expect to receive your wishes and act like you have already received them are synonymous with entitlement. Even envisioning your dream life feels out of reach for someone who has had to work her butt off just to stay afloat. Um, so there's, yeah, it's, it's, it's complicated and it, um, I feel like there's a lot of the, the stakes are not acknowledged, like the stakes of moving forward, acting as if you've already received your dream riches. Um, if you have a really big financial safety net, then if you fall on your butt with it, it's fine. But if you are really, you know, going to like lose your home, if you, if you just act as if you already have your dream life or something yeah. like that, you know, if, if there's going to be like severe financial consequences for you, then that, um, that risk, taking that risk and advising someone to take that risk could actually have disastrous consequences. And that's not acknowledged. Yeah. That could be really harmful. It could be really, really harmful. And, and I think, you know, go oh, ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say that uh, I, you know, and also, you know, I've observed, um, you know, people feeling like failures or feeling like they can't accomplish things just because, you know, they, they try and try and try to get in this mindset. And then they're like, well, I just, I just must not be able to wield magic. I just must not be able to manifest. I must not be able to do this or that. Um, and they can get, they can get really sort of lost in this, like, okay, well, I guess it's for others, but not me. I, I'm not, you know, I don't, I, I'm not able to do it, you know. Um, it's it's a really victim blaming kind of mindset. I mean, yeah, I've, I've exactly, been around people exactly. who, who like preach this as like for growing a business. They're like, oh, for, if you're going to grow a business, you just have to have all its determination. You have to believe in yourself 100% and you have to like act as if it's already true, you know, and there's like some grains of truth in all of that. But, you know, people start from very different places. I know as someone uh-huh. who started a business with like $500 and no no cushion in my checking account, uh, it's been very hard for me to get along at times and to get through and meet my own needs and keep the business going and, you know, meet my overhead and all of that. But, but I've, you know, pursued and and it has grown and, you know, grown over time. But there have been very many times when I would look at other people who started businesses about the same time as I did in my local community and be like, why am I not like them? Why are they not doing better? And then, you know, later on, I find out like, oh, they bought their land uh, with a mortgage from their parents and they pay their, they pay their mortgage in like vegetables from their farm. They're not, they're not actually participating in the capitalist system the way I am. They have all of these shortcuts <laughs> or, or their you know parents yeah. bought them a model year car when they moved to Vermont. And so they've never actually had a high car repair bill. Whereas my $8,000 Jeep did have yeah. some high car repair bills over the years. Um, yeah. So there's just a not- lot of like hidden privilege and, and it's the system of like, Oh, it's all in your mindset is just designed to like make you feel like there's something wrong with your 
um, perspective on life and you're not like enlightened enough if you just aren't wealthy all the time, which is not true. And we're not, I mean, we're not even touching on the differences between like, if you put certain people in the same similar situations, right? Like you have like a white man or a white woman uh, versus uh, like, you know, a single uh, Hispanic mother or, you know, um, a black man trying to, you know, trying to apply for the same loan or do the same thing. Um, You know, you're obviously, you're obviously starting from a place of privilege on one hand, right? So it just, it's that kind of thinking ignores a lot of factors. Yeah, it really does. Um, And at the same time, there are definitely universal benefits to maintaining a really positive can-do attitude, but it's just like, (laughs) you you know, it's it's complicated. (laughs) Yeah, well, I think there's room for positivity without bypassing. Don't you think? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's a good way of putting it. So it's like, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't practice attraction spells. I think attraction spells are helpful for everybody. But uh, what it does mean is we should approach our spell work with like honest self-reflection, understanding of the wider circumstances and of our own privileges and lack of privilege, and just be sensitive and keep in mind both our intention and our impact. So like there's... I'm always reaching for like a better framework for manifestation magic that isn't victim blaming it on its shadow side. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, we do talk about that in Way of the Weaver um, when we do courses on spell work. And um, one of the things that we like to fall back on, if, you know, if we're kind of going into the the realm of what are some best practices, right? If you want your spell casting or your manifestation magic to be more liberatory, more ethical, more in line with your personal code of honor, um, how can how can you do that? Something we fall back on is our three levels of service that we discuss, and this is service to yourself, service to your community, and service to that which is greater. So service to yourself is, you know, exploring, you know, that which is sovereign and real for you, tending to your power of of resilience, understanding your shadow, um, deepening your joy of well, your your well of joy and your connection with others, Um, all that service to yourself, right? And then the next level being service to your community. And that's, you know, those that are near and dear to your heart, it can be your chosen family, your, your family of blood lineage, the places you live, the world around you. And then that which is greater, this is a little bit more existential, (laughs) but, you know, service to the gods, the spirits, the unseen ones that speak to you. Um, Spirit, service to that which is greater can be also to the greater human community, the greater global community, the greater climate community, all all of those things. Um, Our enlivened embodied earth and sort of like the arc of justice in the universe. So, you know, a one good practice that you can do is to check in, um, check in with yourself. Uh, it depends on how often you work magic or how often you're manifesting. Um, we say check in once a, once a quarter. So like once every three, four months, um, you know, what spells am I casting for myself? Um, what am I casting for my community? What am I trying to manifest for that, which is larger and are my efforts in balance, right? Like am I, am I, Am I focusing too much on myself? Am I focusing too much on that, which is larger? Am I ignoring my community? Um, Just do a check-in. Just do a check-in and reflect on where you're at with that. Yeah, I think like stopping to do a little bit of self-examination about what we are choosing to manifest is a really important step that isn't emphasized in some of the Mm -hmm. systems we talked about earlier. Um, Because a lot of things that we could choose to manifest are actually reinforcing oppressive systems, such as capitalism, 
um, or, or maybe others. And um, how can we like choose what we are manifesting so that we're manifesting things that build a more equitable and sustainable world is a really good question to like stop and ask before you try to manifest um, <laughs> that thing. So like yeah. there's kind of like yeah. status quo manifestation that like buys into privilege and capitalism um, where if, if you're trying to manifest like luxury items, like I really want a Lexus, you know, so what are the, you know, things like that. Um, or like uh, to some degree, like status increases within discriminatory systems. Like I want to be uh, the CEO of this like predominantly white company that may be doing weird things to the environment or something like that. Like that's not going to actually like help uh, it was not in service to your community or that which is greater. It's maybe in service to yourself if you can kind of like hold that moral quandary, but um, it's it doesn't really balance out on all three levels. Um, and there are some people who would argue that like political victories within a limited two-party system are are too limited in manifestation. I think there's a lot of different arguments that can be made about harm reduction there, but um, yeah. 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 Like sometimes we do need to manifest these things. I mean, you could argue that my manifesting myself a car was reinforcing climate change. Um, I think that the larger systemic change is going to make a bigger, much bigger difference than me figuring out how to bike 10 miles every time I want groceries. But um, there are, you know, balance, things we need to balance t- um, to live in this world and to be healthy and well and, and do that service to self as well. So it's all, they're all shades of gray. There's no easy answers. Um, But more radical forms of manifestation just um, would be to like bring resources to grassroots organizations that are meeting community needs locally, Um, you know, to empower those kind of systems, like building the climate resilience of your local systems by like installing solar panels on your house or, you know, creating new systems. Yeah. I wonder if I can uh, manifest some solar panels. <laughs> Definitely Ooh. install those on my roof. <laughs> yes, capture some of that Alabama sun yeah. for sure. Um, uh, I've seen various efforts to meet, rematriate land to indigenous peoples. So that probably requires yeah. some manifestation magic to like repurchase that land if it's not able to just be gifted. Um, or like building affordable housing cooperatives and small business incubators and things like that that are functioning outside of like big corporate capitalism um and just thinking about in your manifesting like who does this benefit other than you can you formulate your manifesting intention in a way that it benefits your whole community um and and that full three levels of service yourself your community and that which is greater greater i think that's a really important ethical step to take um when we are approaching our manifestation magic i think well, we've covered a lot of ground debunking the law of attraction today. So I think that that is a good place to pause. And this will be a two-parter. So next month, we'll have the second part where we get into, I think, more a little bit of the like the, the details and the technologies of manifestation. <laughs> and um, yeah, we'll and, let people stew on the uh, ethical yeah. principles for a month. Yeah. And we'll yeah, yeah, forward. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just kind of digest what you've learned today. <laughs> and well, Murphy, tell me a little bit about what's coming up for you. Well, um, well, really, for for both of us, for the whole Weaver community, um, we have another Zoom module happening this winter. Yeah. Um, these Zoom modules take place over about three months. Um, we meet on Zoom like every other week, and uh, I will say, I think we we get a lot of really good feedback on how non-zoomy we make this time. Like it's, <laughs> it's uh, we we're pretty strategic on how we um. Mm-hmm 
really build a sense of community and engagement and participation in our Zoom call. So it's not a lot of like sitting and listening. There's a teeny bit of sitting and listening, but not not a whole bunch. Um, so if people are interested in exploring that, the next uh, the topic for this winter's Zoom module is death prefixing, which is something that we covered back in 2020 in the fall of 2020. Mm-hmm. Those were those were very death on the mind kind of times in the early pandemic. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> And now I feel like we're death on the mind kind of times with like continual climate disasters every couple yes, of weeks across the yes, world. Yes, we really um, are. Yeah. So uh, I certainly hope that that calms down a little bit as, as um, at least in the Northern Hemisphere, we move out of the summer months. But um, this winter, I think, is a good time to to reflect on what our practices are around death and how to have a good yeah. relationship with death and how to help people through that process of mourning and grieving in healthy spiritual ways. Yeah, so exactly. um, all the details on that are on wayoftheweaver.com. Registration is open. Uh, you can sign up anytime. Mm-hmm. Yep. We, already have some, um, we already have some deathlings that have registered. We do. <laughs> so, yeah, we got a good cohort yeah. forming up and it's only September. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Jamie? What do you got coming up? Well, um, again, I'll just mention it again. You can pre-order my book right now. Uh, my book is Hades, Myth, Magic, and Modern Devotion. So shout out Hades. We talked about him at the beginning of the podcast. Um, this is coming out from Llewellyn. Uh, print copies of the book start shipping in February, but you can go to the Llewellyn website and you can pre-order it. And that's really great. Um, it helps them gauge how much interest there's going to be in the book before it launches. So I appreciate any support in that way. And also Murphy and I are really excited because we, if you haven't listened to last month's episode, it was a review of Weaver Camp, our very first ever Weaver Camp that we held in July. And it was so great. We had such a fun time, uh, made some really, really significant life-changing magic together. And um, we want you to save the date because we're going to do it again. We've decided to do Weaver Camp again next summer, and it will be in June this time. It will be June 27th through the 30th, 2024. And you can put that date on your calendar now, and you can go to our website, and there's more information uh, about the camp, including uh, the sliding scale that we have for the registration fee, so you can start saving up. And registration for that is not going to open for a while, but you can go and get all of the info and get that date down so that you, um, you you block it off on your calendar and you're able to join us. Yeah, and get on the mailing list while you're on the website because that's where we will announce the opening of registration for it and you won't miss it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's it for today. Yeah, I think that's everything. Thanks for the chat, Jamie. Uh, yes, thank you for your time, Murphy, as always. And thanks to the rest of you for listening. And um, we will see you next month. Thanks for joining us. You can learn more about Way of the Weaver programs at www.wayoftheweaver.com. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends. It also helps if you write us a review. Subscribe to this podcast so you never miss a new episode. They'll be coming out on or around the 13th of every month. Our theme music is by Fern Maddie, and you can find more from her at fernmaddiemusic.com. Remember that magic is real, present all around us, and a profound tool for justice and transformation. Use it well.